Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 125 and with that music you're already smiling right? As ever big shout out to our Patreon supporters without them this podcast wouldn't be able to be created and if you want to be a supporter you can follow the link on the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile page it starts at just £3 a month and if you're not able this content is free for everyone anyway on the last episode I mentioned the 97% as virtual exhibition it's an exhibition we're putting on to celebrate the 97 percenter and the artist gets 100% of the sale price should their work sell. There's a fee of £15 to enter, 12 if you're a badge holder. We can only show 2D wall hung work which is no wider than 1.2 metres and it's on a first come first served basis. And thanks to Vistalia and Lisa Baker over at the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week I was able to speak to the pure bloody inspiration which is Zach Ove. Zach Ove produces work that is powerful, both visually and with the message it's portraying. His work generally has undertones of social and cultural injustice. And when you hear Zach's story, you'll realise why he's so good at telling these stories. Because it's not through just hard work and experience, it's pretty much in his blood, the details of which I'll leave him to tell you. Now for this episode, it wasn't recorded over Zoom, it wasn't even recorded in Zach's studio. I was invited down to one of the country's finest art fabricators, MDM Props, 
where they was helping Zach put the finishing touches to his huge sculpture, Autonomous Morris, which just a couple of days prior to the release of this podcast was installed outside the Design Museum as part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, which runs until the 31st of August and celebrates the magic and shared experiences of public art and live performance. And it brings people together to inspire and be inspired. And if I can just read you a little something on Zach Ove and his work. Zach Ove is a London-based multidisciplinary artist working in film, sculpture and photography to reclaim old world mythologies in new world source materials and technologies. His fascination with the interplay between antiquity and the future is inspired by masking rituals and traditions of Trinidadian carnival that is itself rooted in a struggle for emancipation. Ove's work is a celebration of the power of play, the juxtaposition of parody and sacred ritual, as well as the blurring edges between the reality of fantasy, flesh and spirit. His use of non-traditional materials, copper, wood, Victoriana and other found materials, situates the work in the metropoles of Europe and the Americas, where they merge and mutate into endless possibilities and unexpected identities. And as I said, this podcast was recorded at MDM Props, and it's going to feel like you were there too. In the background, you can hear the guys working and the machinery running. Man, it was good to be outside again, you know. But anyway, come with me to MDM Props to meet Zach Ove. I was really lucky to find this place. Is it hard to get in here? No, they're nice people. But don't come with bullshit. Because who wants to it listening to it, applauding you for brilliance that isn't, to then try and construct something that you can't, right? So there's got to be brutal honesty, because this is science, it's not yeah. ethereal. But I think some people don't think through ideas well enough and then ask for things that are kind of nigh impossible yeah. at a whim, hoping that somebody else might be brave enough to, yeah, to take, push put, that that Put your far. dream together. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, this afternoon, um, I'm with Zach Ove, and we're at MDM Props, which is, a, among other things, a fine art fabricators. Um, Zach, how are you? Hello. I'm very well, Gary, and thank you for having me on your oh, podcast. You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Um, we've come down today. Your, well, if you could tell us about the artwork that you're fabricating and putting together here today. Um, I'm working on two projects side by side this week. One is uh, a stalk-walking mocha jumbi, which is a carnival character from Trinidad and Tobago. And this comes from uh, a long-standing tradition of stalk-walkers throughout the Caribbean that originated in Africa. And I'm making that work for the Art Gallery of Ontario, which is in Toronto, Canada. And this will be for permanent exhibition there, as they've opened up a new diaspora wing which technically means what they've done is they've taken an old-world African gallery and opened it up to a contemporary black moment which globalises the future in terms of what can be seen there and who can contribute now to that museum. And I've I've seen it. You showed me around it a little while ago. Yeah. Um, The height? Feet, I think we're at 24 feet. Um, What's that in metres? And it's on on stilts. (laughs) Yeah, Which it's made on stilts. Yeah, and it's, it weighs how much? Probably just under a ton. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a 
car engine. Yeah. A couple of car engines sat on top of a, um, a couple of bamboo, well, fabricated bamboo feet. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how you fabricate something to look delicate. The stilts themselves are cast from scaffold poles. And, uh, yeah, beautiful joins that you can see made there, all done with string and car filler. And it's a permanent, part of a permanent collection. Yeah, it is, yeah. I'm very excited that they've chosen me to make this work for, for that situation. Nice. Um, Toronto has a big Caribbean community, so this will be representative of their culture, and now they get to see themselves in the museum space, which will hopefully entice you know, uh, a more multicultural community to see and uh, hang out in museums in the future and realise that they're contemporary spaces. Yeah, and, and if you just give us a little um, vision of, of what the uh, stalk walker looks like, you know, you already said it's on possibly nine or ten feet yeah. um, legs. Well, I mean, it is, it is, it's quite a menacing looking character with two metre banana leaves that uh, come out of his back um, he's got a huge backpack of foliage that looks like he's just come out of a kind of mythical bushland he's wearing gold size 16 Jordan trainers <laughs> with the toes cut out with his large overgrown feet outstretching his shoes um, he's got hands of any goalkeeper would be proud of yeah he has he's got <laughs> huge hands <laughs> and huge feet and a scrawny body uh, symbolic of his working class existence and all the shit he has to carry through <laughs> life um, but this is his magical moment and on this particular day he gets to exult and exude and transform Brilliant. he's wearing a gold chainmail skirt he's wearing an African head mask dressed with doilies uh, his left arm is cast as a fist in celebration of Black Lives Matter um, and in salute to a moment that we've just all been through um, He's wearing a chest plate uh, that I've gilded in Dutch metal, which is the face of a young black male, a very beautiful face. so impressive. And the thing I'm also trying to do with that is for young people to see that they're a part of an ongoing mythology that they can uphold so that culture doesn't die. One of the things I'm interested in is resistance art, and by that I mean art that resists the global changes forced upon us. And in the Caribbean, with living so close or if you like in the, um, the shadow of the Americas yeah. if we lose that sense of self we're queuing up to be fifth generation car park attendants in somebody else's back lot yeah that's so, fucking true um, you so know the, true. the integrity of, of how one defines oneself and the freedom to shift perspective from what maybe other people see you as to whom you might be or see yourself uh, <laughs> as an enabler to yeah, become yeah very important i hope that my work in some way enables people to take a more light-hearted look at their, their perspective futures and try and embody in, in in one's own lifetime all the things that you, you dream to be a part of you know that reality can be yours and i think somewhere somehow we're taught that we're not allowed that sense of ownership and i hope that art and art practices can help younger people understand exactly how many restrictions they should really be opposing in order to fight for their own freedom and redefine that generation by generation well because of the 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 recent like the the 2020 black lives matter movement along with the unfortunate death of george floyd Mm. 
not only is it making um, Afro-Caribbean people look at their heritage and culture, it's making non-Afro-Caribbean non people, it's forcing them to have a look at that yeah. culture as well, isn't it, you know? Well, actually, in 2019, I curated a show called Get Up, Stand Up Now at Somerset yeah. House. And I was asked to look at the history and contribution of Caribbean arts or artworks made by people of the diaspora, Africa and the Caribbean, post-immigration to the UK in the late 50s, early 60s. And what I was interested in was also the connectivity behind those influences and the connections to what those influences have, uh, if you like, uh, grown, grown into it. How, how those influences have taken shape within British culture, yeah. within music, within literature, within fashion. How have uh, these artistic notions that came with people from the Caribbean really helped restructure our British identity? Yeah. Um, and if you think about things like reggae music and even <laughs> you know, our love of Indian food, our love of all things that are foreign, these at some point pivot. And, 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 and take a big dent in who we are and how we see things. Yeah. And what I wanted to show was how you know, mod culture and, and uh, other homegrown British cultures are really you know, stem from those ingredients, yeah. in yeah. a way. Well, when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, it was quite a racial time to grow up with the National Front, British movement and, and all that shit going on. Yeah. And there was, I mean, I was into the... The ska music. Yeah, absolutely. And I discovered that ska music wasn't just madness and the specials. You know, it was. It, it, I realised it came from a, a generation before that in Jamaica. Yeah. And then. But isn't it interesting also how ska music appealed to working class kids exactly, in Britain exactly. at a time when the kind of mysticism of hippie culture, right, didn't appeal in the same way no. because it didn't talk about the repression yeah, that they themselves were feeling, right? And identified with that shared repression with the Jamaican antithesis and culture that was being spoken about in dub and ska and reggae music, right? But the same so thing there was, what I'm talking about there is a, is a sense of socialism. Yeah, right? definitely, definitely. But the same people who were into that music mm. were going on National Front marches. Yeah. And I was like... How the fuck can you can you do the two? You know, well, it's a hypocrisy, you either, isn't it? You either want to push away the, that it's a very childish hypocrisy, yeah. yeah. And in the end, what you realise is you're only creating limitations for yourself, exactly. Right? That that, that add to your quarantine, and quite literally, that, that quarantine you in life, and and put walls around you that are unnecessary. Well, that you know? was, ironically, that's what I was about to say was, yeah. it wasn't until I went to prison yeah. and I was in close contact with, with all these different cultures, yeah. which I didn't have growing up in Dagenham in Essex. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it was, yeah, absolutely. You can understand the guys yeah, being yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit racist, uh, not a little bit racist, you can understand a little bit the guys being racist because they're not mixing with yeah. anyone other than white people with no, the same fucking it. views, yeah. you know? I don't know if you saw that programme that was on last night on Ireland. I didn't. I beg you to watch it. Ireland? Yeah, it's the story of this journalist reporting on the problems in Ireland over 50 years. And what he did was, in 1972, he went to a small community of very loyalist Brits and he offered to take a couple to Belfast. Oh, yeah. 
and he did that on the documentary. Brilliant. And what he did was he showed them the circumstance there, and it was really interesting to see how torn they were by what they had thought on the one hand prior to that to arriving in that situation and then how they saw it completely differently kind of post being there in terms of how it was structured and the repression and the injustice period. And then you start seeing um, other people's culture in your own culture. Well yeah and also in that moment that you describe you also realise how you're all in the same shit together and, and, and how circumstantially a system was created that didn't offer you necessarily what other people were getting yeah. fucking offered to, that could move you away from that yeah. you know I think that's what's interesting to me about well obviously any society that structures itself and what it is to be born as it has nothing in a way yeah. and how you work from that towards something yeah you know and it's a very difficult and it's, and thing it's, to grow out of and you've, you've got a relationships with, with people like that all around the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 can, yeah I mean, some, some people's struggle is a lot stronger than others, but, you know, a struggle is a struggle, you know? Yeah, but I think in connection to what we're looking at today, it's how you find a voice, either in literature or in music making or in the arts, that allows you to recognise uh, the disabilities we've been fed, yeah. mentally and otherwise, and how to move beyond them. And one of the things that I've always been interested in in, in art making is how to find creative ways through problems, right? Yeah. Where, we're, where we're using creativity as, as a way to better ourselves. Yeah, definitely. You know? So how do you make art speak, you know? How do I make statues that become silent noise in a certain light, right? The, the one that you've done at Somerset House is yeah. what you started talking about before I interrupted you. Yeah. That definitely had a... Had a, a noise about it, didn't yeah. it? Definitely made it yeah. make its own noise. Yeah, and that was interesting because when I did the research on Somerset House, the last time they'd heralded Africa was the Mask of Blackness, and that was in 1605, and that was Queen Anne's Masked Ball, written by Inigo Jones and Ben Johnson. They spent half the build cost of Somerset House, which in today's money would be what 75 million. I would have thought so minimum in fact actually probably yeah. more probably close to 200 million yeah. to build a building like that now um, but in which in a giant mechanical egg shaped like a pearl nine English princesses dressed as African deities had to come to Britain to bathe in the sea of whiteness in order to proclaim their true beauty that's mad isn't it yeah and that was the script written by Ben Johnson who was bigger than Shakespeare in his day yeah. and this was five years after Othello King James rewrote the Christian Bible to suit his own of course, business yeah. plotline at that point in time and endeavoured to create a split between people of colour and white people so that he could really profit from slavery in the years that followed that. That was the first use of blacking up. And ironically, in the script, they were supposed to appear white at the end, but they couldn't wash the black off. <laughs> there you go. And Britain That's remained brilliant. tainted ever since. That's you know. brilliant. Yeah. That's, there's a, yeah, there's a certain irony there, yeah. isn't there? So I was interested in putting 40 male nude graphite figures back on that plot, and I like the idea of graphite as a replacement to Ebony Wood, because yeah. I thought, well, that you know, Ebony Wood is it comes from a story ingrained to the motherland. Graphite is a future world black. Yeah, yeah. Just like the diaspora wasn't born on the shores of Africa, it was born post that moment. 
right? And is ongoing. So it was like I wanted something that felt representative of the future of that culture, not the past. Is it was, right? It was in terms of being like in a now moment versus uh, uh, again using uh, 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 where culture sets it back is historically uh, to the point that it becomes extinct. It has to be living. Superb. Is it was it was two feet. What was the size of the initial sculpture that you cast them from? It was about it was two, three, three, and and a half, three and a half foot, yeah. And we actually remade that here out of clay. You did? To cast it big. It wasn't a scan or anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. To get and the balance right. And then you cast from that? Yeah. And then yeah. And how many did you cast all together? Uh, today we've cast 150. Wow. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen 80 together. Yeah, that's right. And then there was another set on top of that, and then there were APs as well. So, Brilliant. yeah, they've cast a lot. Is each remnants. one much of a weight? Uh, not before you put the cement in the bottom. No, they're only <laughs> oh, about... cement's there just for the weight time. Yeah, 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 because graphite's very light, yeah. and it's a mixture of that with resin and fiberglass backing. So it's, it's light, it's there, but they're durable, and once you put the weight in the bottom, it sets it. Nice. And each leg yeah. has two scaffold, last, uh, scaffold poles cast within it. It's armatures. So that it can then sit on yeah. spigots that will hold it in place. Brilliant. No, I mean, again, good work here. Excellent. Pleased to say. You're working on one, just as I come in today, you're... I'm you're working, I'm, re, I'm reworking an older piece called Autonomous Morris, which began with me trying to do African masks out of car parts. Because <laughs> uh, I just thought, well, why not, for fuck's yeah. sake? Um, let me have a go. Um, and I will try to see how I can... You know, it was interesting, because when you want to make public art, You've got to make something big. And uh, to begin with, you need a cheap way of doing it. Yeah. And I was like, why can't look? When you go online, you can find, you know, like doors and panels and whatnot, two and three pound a pop. Yeah. A mass to cover a bigger area, you know. So it was a nice way of, of finding a palette that I could work with yeah. that allowed me a bigger spread to scale up, in a way. Right. And it's got, it's got everything there, them old panels. We were talking earlier. Yeah. And so because I did using ones that are quite old. Well, I started off doing shapes, masks. I was, I was even using like interior panels, yeah. uh, dashboards, steering wheels, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then I thought, well, let me push it a bit further. And then I did a piece called Rumpelstiltskin where I was using, uh, God, what was that? That was like uh, a pair of doors uh, of an old Austin, uh, <laughs> Morris Minor hood. And then, yeah, and then I thought I was given the opportunity to make a work for a public art commission, I had a month to do it, and I thought, no, I'm going to try to make a whole head out of car parts, um, specifically using beetles and um, and Morris Miners because of the curvature of yeah. the panels They're and the fact that I could use that to create something that was quite streamlined and uh, quite figurative in a way that I couldn't do with sort of flat square edge bits in that and sense. There's a beauty with its yeah. age as well. They're sort of like maybe 40, 50 years old, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. some even more and actually I mean you mentioned and uh, yeah even thinking about the history of that I mean there's people like John Chamberlain in America who did beautiful car abstract sculptures in the 50s yeah. that were fantastic out of big old Cadillacs and then you mentioned Joe Rush from Mutoid Waste who I always mis- admired in my teens uh, at their big do's and stuff in terms of how he transformed things but what um, I was interested in also was trying to connect to a kind of uh, African Caribbean sense of mask making, but again using something that was contemporary 
and that also reflected my environment yeah. growing up here in London, yeah. in a way. Well, it's so. nice to see something big like that from a distance, and the closer you get, you get a little wow factor from it, because first of all, you, got, you, know, you see that it's a, a mask of sorts. Yeah. You get a little bit closer, and then you see that it's made of these car panels. Yeah. And there's, there's that bit of reflection where you look back and you see, oh, that's a, an old Morris Minor at the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think what's nice away. is, yeah, is you've intertwined heroes from people's yeah. other st- from yeah. other people's stories in yeah. a way right it's like if you make a piece of work about somebody famous people have a relationship to that character because they already have a, you know they've already seen that character or relate to it like making a piece of work about yeah, Jesus Christ a bit of romance yeah there, yeah or, or something in that way but yeah people find uh, a nostalgic moment to reflect on their own experiences with i don't know morris miners or beatles or whatever it is it's an interesting way to bring things into your work that help other people um find their way into that story yeah you know and i think if you're trying to make art it's interesting to 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 incur popular stories in your work because what you're doing is giving gravitas to the audience to something they can already connect with, yeah, you know, yeah. and find their own and relationship that's to. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. They can make their own narrative with yeah, your Yeah, work yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's, it, take it in their own direction. And you've hit on the familiar, which is important, you know. Um, did you have art It's the same up? thing with... Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, go on, go on, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did. Uh, um, massively so. My father is the first black British filmmaker, Horace Ove. He made the first black British feature film, He's in the Guinness Book of Records more than twice over. Uh, he made the first film on reggae music in 1969. Um, he was the first black photographer to do covers for reggae albums for Studio One in the mid-60s. Um, shit, I think he was the first black British director to leave film school. And he also made the first film on acupuncture in 1965. <laughs> of all things. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his accolades are huge, which is why I was asked to curate a show that really began with his work uh, as a timeline to mine. I'm often asked to speak and write about uh, his legacy and the influence of his practice on my own. Is he still with us? Uh, yeah, bless him, he has Alzheimer's right now, very critically. And But he's, I must say, he's very upbeat and still struggling and smiling Brilliant. day by day uh, in very positive light. I saw him last week. Um, but yeah, his world was of massive influence to me. Um, he was very involved with the Black Power movement as a documenter. Uh, Michael X lived on the top floor of our house as a children. Um, we were involved in a lot of radical thinkers uh, and, and very much involved in, in a, uh, kind of... My mum was a big speaker for the Socialist Workers' Party. She was an Irish woman from Hackney that grew up as a communist workers' speaker in Hyde Park Corner. Um, she ran a clothing boutique for many years and refused to sell high heels and polyester mix <laughs> to women. Superb. Yeah. Superb. Um, she was very special. And actually, she moulded my father to become who he would be and gave him a lot of the props and uh, tenacity that he would use in order to, to make his mark. So oh, they were, they were very amazing, um, radically integrated in that sense. Yeah, amazing child. Yeah, I don't think she never necessarily gets his... Uh, bigger residual as he does yeah. for, for the, the kind of instigation that she managed to, to push people towards but she was definitely my hero in that sense oh beautiful yeah. it's beautiful 
Which piece that you've created would you say has got the strongest emotional connection? Uh, I mean, The Invisible Man does in many respects because I grew up with that figure. Yeah. Um, because I liken the connection of how that piece came back from Africa with us. Also, to, in, in a similar way to how men like my father came to Britain. And then I was, int- <laughs> I sat there laughing and I was like, well, what if you had 40 kids? <laughs> 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 Who would they be? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just like me and, and the rest of my community now, post that moment of immigration, who are we? Yeah. You know, and we can stand side by side and ask that question together, right? In a sense. Yeah, so I was definitely. interested in that, and I thought it's quite interesting, you know, in, in, in imagine it, in a kind of in, in an imaginary way, you know. And you've made them life size as well. Yeah. Which um, that, that makes them a little bit more intimidating in, in some respects because. We all know them as yeah. statuettes, if, if you want to call them that. Yeah, but the in- interesting thing was that particular work already had its hands up in place. Yeah. And so okay. what's interesting is how that's also now, because of circumstance akin to uh, our social setting, with gun violence, and in yeah. particular in the US, with, with uh, this awful situation with the police, um, they've become very rock-stead symbols of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. In, in how young black males have had to combat uh, the injustice of, 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 of police harassment. It's beautiful know, when history sort of comes around accidentally like that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and slaps, slaps you in the face yeah. to remind you that this now speaks not only about what you had imagined it would speak of, but actually maybe something way more important yeah. by chance. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to take full credibility for having presumed that ahead of time no. but what I'm very proud of is how unconsciously that kind of just appeared yeah. in a way um, when when those 40 works hit the United States uh, and were requested to be there um, to see them outside San Francisco City Hall while I was installing three women approached me who had all lost children uh, in their teens through gun violence Shit. because they thought I was putting this up as a homage to those victims. And it, it can be. Yeah. It can be whatever the you want. The other it to irony be. in that moment was that the then mayor died of a heart attack. And while we were installing the works, actually, while they were on set sale, a new mayor was inaugurated. And she was also the first black woman to be inaugurated in San Francisco. But her name was Miss London Breed. Oh, wow. So they stood outside San Francisco City Hall <laughs> while Miss London Breed was inaugurated as the first black mayor of San Francisco. How cool is that? Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. How cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, and ironically, I think I'm the first person of African origin to put artwork there, and which is insanely unjust when you think of how long-standing the tradition of art making is as, as African-Americans, 300 years versus our 50 here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that no one had considered any of my heroes for that moment yeah. prior to me you know that is pretty cool isn't it yeah the autonomous Morris is just about to go on show for the um, Kensington and Chelsea Art Week yes well, I'm is very proud shown to there? be a part of this moment it's going to the London Design Museum which uh, a few years ago was rehoused to what was the Commonwealth Institute 
Oh, there's, there's a little bit of a irony there, isn't there? There is, and a lot of nostalgia. It's a building I absolutely adore and have known since my childhood. Um, it was where they had things like the Radical Book Fair that we were all carted off to as children because that was one of the first places where, if you like, um, independent publishers and independent black publishers in particular got to showcase works uh, in an institute in London that was unique. Um, it's a fabulous building, and I'm sitting outside opposite um, Pilots's Head of Invention, a work I've known and admired for a long time, so I'm very chuffed nice. that Autonomous Morris gets to uh, bop heads with Pilotzi, which is great. And, um, how long is and this was thanks to Tim Marlowe at the Design Museum and his wonderful team there, who have invited um, my work to, to, to come and join them. Nice. So I have to thank you all. Rebecca Gremo, Vestalia, Tim and everybody else because I am truly thrilled for this moment um, and very excited that this piece now gets to speak and listen to the conversations of Holland Park. Brilliant. And how long is it on show for, do you know? I'm hoping you guys keep it for as long as possible. Yeah, as long as you like. <laughs> and will there be any, anything there, um, any text for context? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure we'll put something together um, that is an explainer. Um, I like to, 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 to consider this work, the, the character himself is what we call a maco in the Caribbean. It's somebody that listens to conversations to decipher inf information, uh, a rememberer of sorts, <laughs> <laughs> of other people's um, passings. And somebody that you can sit and converse with any day of the week outside the Commonwealth Institute and the New Design Museum there when you're ready. Um, I'm hoping that anybody local who is um, short for something to do at lunchtime can go and check this out. And this is the first time we'll see the work light up, which is very exciting. Brilliant. And how many lights are you going to have on it? Oh, the, this is an issue. I think you, you sat <laughs> in just now on the disgruntled <laughs> conversation where... Uh, I was given a limit of 12, and I've already uh, superseded it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but very exciting here, finishing this as work I, for next week. As I heard week. the fabricators yeah. mentioned through their gritted teeth earlier. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I mean, interesting for you to see how this is Definitely. still transforming days before it goes up again next week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I ask seven questions to each artist, most yeah. of which I've, I've sort of slipped in okay. in our conversation. But one being... If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? What? Oh, good question. What would your ideal group show be? I mean, man, we've, have we got another hour spare? <laughs> Fuck. Um, here's something that I'm interested in on the back of that, and that is I don't think there are enough art competitions that herald, uh, if you like, politicised art making or art making that champions change. People, young people in particular, need to see that art can be a form of protest. And by saying that, that's also protesting at inequality, protesting at unjust and unwritten histories, protesting for new ideologies, protesting for change yeah. in every sense of the word protesting for uh, reforms protesting to, to free us from bullshit reforms yeah. but the idea that art should speak uh, so within this what I'm really getting at is in a way what I'm interested in are competitions 
For instance, there was one that I referred to, I think it was in the mid-50s, and it was a competition to make sculpture of an unnamed prisoner. And I thought, how exciting yeah. that one could choose situations of injustice to look at people that suffer yeah. due to consequence caused by governments, upheavals, and massive shifts where working-class people are treated as pawns uh, in the face of government or religion or whatever else, right? where we as artists get the chance to champion them and their lost causes and their invisibility. Yeah, so beautiful. one of the things I would be interested in in this group show uh, are people that, 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 that literally have in their work tried to champion those moments of invisibility for their communities through time, Excellent. be that in Egypt, be that through uh, the, the plight of Nazi Germany, be that uh, on the African continent or the, re the, tents of the retentive art of the Caribbean uh, in trying to uphold traditions that other people were trying to wipe out yeah. um, so that it becomes collusive in showing how really magnificent voices or if you like people that are articulate in their art speak or technique be it painting or sculpture making show us really how to exemplify uh, if you like, the translation between social frustration and art that really aptly speaks about those moments. Yeah. Um, Banksy would have to be in that show oh, as, as a modern yeah. contemporary because to his credit, what he is able to do is analyse social frustration and translate it into the fewest possible words as an illustration that exemplify how we all feel. Yeah. And what I'm interested in are great artists that do that well. So without being able to give you a list as such, let's just imagine who we think would be best suited for that moment. Well, the one that got me was Mona Hudson. When Absolutely. And can I say that she, I've met here at MDM, the, is so, number one so explicit about how she makes her work. I remember issues over chicken wire Brilliant. and the specifics of chicken wire. Um, she is so thorough in that sense that she would have to be on that list. Yeah. Right? Um, actually, it's going to end up being a big, big list <laughs> if we really kick off here. Right? And it's a big fan list as well. But I think Gary's absolutely right um, in, in pushing this question. And I think we should all nominate our champions in that sense people that have, have really persisted to, to, to try to do that I mean I'm in and out with Grayson Perry but I think what I love about that man the most is how he persists to try and tell really uncomfortable stories in the most beautiful way he makes you listen Yeah, in order to get people's gravitas in and open to receive those stories yeah. you know? and I think what we all need to learn more about is the art of, I'd say the art of writing, but it's not. In this instance, it's the art of sculpture making or painting, but the art of con the conveyance of narrative, yeah. right? In order that we speak firmly, properly, and for generations to come. Yeah. On, on that same text, on um, Robert Montgomery, when he takes his poetry, he puts yeah. poetry in into neon or into light, or even he even sets a light to, yeah. to, to his poetry and, and takes that into a, a different area. And, yeah, man, that, that same sort of thing there. Yeah. You know, he, he makes you listen. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my bag. Um, that's what I'm interested in. You that's know, good. I think. Um, yeah, it, it has to have a healing quality to it. Um, I'm interested in art that speaks. I'm interested in art that is makes change. I'm not interested in in people that use it to bleed without. Uh, Excellent phrase. You know, I'm just not interested. I'm just really not interested because as far as I'm concerned, it's always got to be glass half full, regardless of where we're at. And we always need to find a way out of the situation that we're in. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? However drastic it might feel, what we need to find creative measures that are the path to embetterment. Yeah. Done. And art's the perfect vehicle yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Because anyone yeah. can do it. Yeah. To whatever level yeah. they want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm very, very grateful um, to have managed to make a, a living from this. I, I see it as a luxury above and beyond. Brilliant. So. Um, what would you do if you wasn't an artist, do you think? Off camera. <laughs> <laughs> Artist, not art. I mean, I, I think for me, it's got to be some sort of activism. Yeah. Instead of making it's this a sort blood, of, of uh, a, witty, a witty way out, let's be really serious about it. It's got to be some form of activism, you know. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, I look at society as, and realise that it's very, very jilted. You know, we create our own pathway and we have to find our own sense of justice, our own sense of honesty, and our own sense of integrity. It doesn't always comply with the world that we're born into. Yeah. Um, so I'm not looking at anything more than that. And I think it's very important that we as people decide for ourselves how, how to use uh, uh, that ability uh, to govern who we are. Yeah, well, it took me far too long as a person yeah. to discover there was more in the world other than me. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, how much time are you going to give up, right, on jilted hustles that, that just shut you down again, yeah. you know? Because most important is your freedom. That's the oh, most yeah. important thing. Yeah, and that's, that's what I try to... Otherwise, to what are you going to give to anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've all if you haven't got that our physical yeah. freedom being taken away in Fucking 2020 right. yeah you know, definitely yeah, people yeah. don't like it do they no they don't no Zach what else have you got coming up um, right now I've got some work it's going to the Tate Gallery for a show they're doing on artists working between Trinidad and London it looks very exciting as a project that's I think at the end of the year um, the this big piece the, the Mocha Jumbi piece the carnival piece will go to the Art Gallery of Ontario that for their new massive show there, which opens on the, um, the 1st of September this year. And, yeah, um, that's it for the time being. And Autonomous Morris that will be Brilliant. at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm slammed just trying to get this got done. <laughs> you got too and much yeah, going yeah, yeah. And where can people see your work, online or social media? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, by all means, look me up, yeah, check me just out. Zach Ove. Yeah, uh, I'm also working, doing projects with the Vigo Gallery in the UK and um, the Buck Gallery now in the USA. Brilliant. Zach, that's all my questions asked. Great.
Thank you very much for your time. Nice one, Gary. Thank, Thank you, man. You. I really appreciate you. No problem. There we go, Zach Ove. Inspiring or what? And Zach's mother and father, what an upbringing. And he was never going to be anything other than an agitator of the heart and mind in whatever context, right? Zach and I had quite a long conversation after we finished recording this podcast. One of the things we spoke about may well be having its foundations laid pretty soon. But that's another story to be told. As was mentioned, Zach's sculpture, Autonomous Morris, was installed outside London's Design Museum. And he's on display come rain or shine as part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. And just a few days after this podcast is released, we're able to say hello again to the other art fair. It's in an outside but covered venue in King's Cross. And it runs from the 1st to the 4th of July. And I had the opportunity to speak with one of the featured artists, Ben Wakelin. Ben has got both an amazing life story and art story. And it's definitely one not to be missed. So that's about it for this week. If you want to be in the 97% show, just drop a line to the Ministry of Arts. And I'll see you next week. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.